from an infantry perspective, if I start digging a foxhole, I'm always improving my foxhole to make it a better fighting position. And we do that for the individual. So then instead of like, oh no, something bad's happening, they're always up and out looking for uh, what could be happening and trying to prevent it before it does. How can I help? How can I be useful in ending needless suffering? Do not be afraid of work that has no end. We have to organize a social movement. We have an opportunity to lead by example versus just talking, hot air. I think the more people in this fight, the more we grow. Eventually you could change. You know, the people are the ones that can make the change. Welcome to Change Agents, an Ironclad original presented by Montana Knife Company. My name is Jesse. I'm a producer on the show. Andy is actually unavailable this week to record the intro and outros, but he did recently record an incredible interview with Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy is a Green Beret. He's an MMA fighter. He's also an entrepreneur and a best-selling author. He's the co-founder of the organization Save Our Allies, which is dedicated to helping Americans and allies in hostile areas like Gaza, Israel, and Afghanistan escape conflict zones. He's also the founder of Sheepdog Response. Now, Sheepdog Response is a group that helps people train and prepare for some of the most extreme and violent situations you can possibly face. And that's the focus of Andy's conversation today with Tim, about how people can be better prepared when faced with terrible situations, but also come to the aid of others that need help. Here's Andy's recent conversation with Tim. So when did you found Sheepdog Response? What year was that? 2018, five years ago. All right. I'd have to run this one by Glover. I was going to say, yep, I think the math checks out on that. There's a lot, though, in your life leading up to 2015. So so we can give people some context on how you view the world. Bring us up to everything that you were doing prior to 2015. Yeah, I, uh, I've been in Special Forces since 2004. Um, deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan, a half a dozen to Africa, a few to South America. Um, started a couple of nonprofits. There's a four-year time period that I was working as a contractor, as a government mercenary for from 2012 to 2016. Um, you know, prior firefighter, EMT, law enforcement guy for a very short period of time, pre-9-11. And uh, then all the schools within special forces, for you to to be on the type of teams that I was on for you know I had ten years active and I've now I've been um, eight years nine years this coming January of on and off active and National Guard status. You left out the UFC in there. How how did you find your way into the octagon while doing all of those other things? Well, I, I was I was already fighting before. I went into the military. I was, I was ranked top 10 in the world. I just won arguably the the, the largest, most competitive um, eight-man tournament called the Extreme Cage Fighting Championship. They took the top 10 guys from the world. They, they hand-selected eight. We all fought each other. And in that one night, three, three fights in one night under pride rules to win the ECC tournament. <laughs> um, Damn. <laughs> it, was, it was bonkers. I mean, yeah. the... Uh, Chuck Liddell's in my corner. Matt Hughes is the referee. Um, it was 
you know, we, we had Dennis Kang, Jason Mayhem Miller, Ryan Norte. Um, I mean, like in the pre 2001, the, these were not beatable dudes and all of them are in the same tournament and all of them are fighting in pride rules. I mean, like we weren't allowed to eye gouge and no single digit, anything and no growing strikes. And I think that was it. I could soccer kick. I could knee to the head. I could North South elbow. I could slam. I could throw a dude out of a ring. Like it didn't matter. It was just a fight. It was a five rope ring and it was just like ready, set, go. Um, so I won that, you know, broke, broke into the top 10 and then 9-11 happened. I had a bunch of really dumb things happening by my own choices in my life at this moment. And then I went to the recruiter's office on 9-11 to try and find a way to get to find to where these people were from and kill them all. Yeah. But the military never had any issue with you fighting in the U.S. I know there was a mix between like active. It's an interesting balance, right? Because as long as you're getting the press they want, they're like, yay. When you start getting the press they don't want, they're like, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I was fighting. I would go overseas or I'd go to a school and I would come back. I would take leave. Like I'm properly on like a three or four day. Um, and I would get a pass. I would travel to wherever the fight was. I would weigh in on Friday. I would fight on Saturday. I would come home on Sunday and I would show up to work on Monday. I would do PT Monday morning. And I did that about a dozen times. Uh, and then I would, then I got... And I was fighting for a bunch of like kind of low, small organizations, not a lot of televised fights. And then I got picked up by the IFL, the International Fight League. And they were being broadcasted on Fox. I um, I fight uh, Ryan McGivern, like very talented, militich, black belt, uh, D1 wrestler. And it's kind of a marquee fight because Pat Militich's team is fighting the my team. And uh, I destroy him. And on the bottom it says tim kennedy army ranger fort bragg north carolina Ooh. and a bunch Ooh. of sergeants yeah yeah as you know there's no rangers at fort bragg north carolina so a bunch of sergeant majors were at this sf bar in fort bragg north carolina and they're like huh a ranger from fort bragg north carolina interesting kennedy let's uh, let's see who this dude is oh staff sergeant kennedy assigned to blah 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 so when i show up when I get home on Sunday, I get a text from my boss, John. He's like, hey, man, I need you to come in. Um, and Monday morning, as soon as I walked in, the sergeant major is waiting for me at the team room. He's like, hey, no PT today. Come with me. He takes me down to the command sergeant major of group, and then they take me down to the USASOC command sergeant major. And they're like, hey, I don't know how to reconcile this, but you can't do both these things. I'm like, I've been doing both these things for four years. You just haven't known about it. You know, like nobody knows who I am or what I was doing. Um, they're like, well, look at the the unit that you're in. You can't do this. And I was like, well, I can do this. I have been doing this, um, and I've been doing it. Like I haven't broken I haven't broken any rules. And ultimately, um, you know, I told them just leave me be. I will I, I will continue to I'll put GoArmy.com on my butt. I'm gonna win world championships. You know, like just 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 let it ride. And they're like, no, you got to pick. And I said, I don't want to pick. I got the best job in the world. And uh, I'm like, it, this makes me a better soldier. I, I'm literally running combatives for the whole entire group. My entire unit has a black belt professional fighter in the top ten in the world, teaching them how to do combatives. You're like, you're gonna, you're gonna go and pay all the other units to include the seals are paying dudes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to run a combatives program or run some muay thai or to run some jujitsu. You get it for free. You paid staff sergeant Tim to come 
and do this as a staff sergeant, and I will do this to the day that I die. Um, and they said no. So that checks out. Yep. That's a good military decision right there. Yeah. <laughs> Two months later, the National Guard was paying me hundreds of thousands of dollars to wear stuff on my butt and to be an SF guy in the Guard and still be able to do the thing that I wanted to do. So they're idiots. Never understood it. Yeah, I was, ha- I was having a conversation uh, yesterday with the ex-Green Beret, and we were talking about if somebody would s- to look at the military structure and how it was designed, it would almost be as if people got into a room and tried to design something that was so utterly confusing and not efficient. And it is in, it like, the military is successful in spite of that, not because of it. Well, it, it, it's yeah. successful because of the men and women that are in it, <laughs> not because of the bureaucracy. No, or the infrastructure or logistical system that seems to be fighting it at lockstep every step of the way. Yeah. So, all right. Well, at some point in time, you decided to start Sheepdog Response. And like you were saying, it's not as if there weren't people out in that space creating programs, probably in the same ecosystem that you were creating. Why, why move forward, even though you recognize that there was a lot of people in that space? And what did you want to do differently than those other people? Well, I was one of the the earlier ones that was teaching. Uh, a lot of them were going after government contracts. A lot of them mm-hmm. uh, were, were focusing on training special operations units and milita- uh, law enforcement. Uh, but I didn't see anybody that was focusing on Americans, just regular everyday citizens. Uh, and the, one, the genesis of all of this was while I was overseas, that was kind of when the active shooter phenomenon really started uh, gaining speed, momentum in a horrific way. And I'm just like, yep. in my mind, I'm like, why can't we have an Andy Stump sitting in a movie theater in Colorado and some prick walks in with a gas mask? The first thing you have to do is hide your erection as you're trying to draw your gun. You know, like the thing would have been over. Why, would, why would the assumption would be that I would hide that? <laughs> fair point, fair point. <laughs> but literally it would have been over in a heartbeat right a guy comes in and he's like Bleh! and then he's dead sorry guys no 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 media thing for you you know like where, where where was the the glover that was outside of a school when somebody shows up in Valde? like where were those people well, nobody was training americans have just gotten so soft all the while you me and all of our friends are over war uh, overseas doing war but back home they're just getting fatter dumber, more gelatinous, weaker, more diabetics, less shooters, less physically fit. And I'm like, like we're, we're going like this. At some point, we're either destined for this for this beautiful country to employ, implode, and then why are we overseas fighting for something that's just dying at home? Uh, so that was the beginning of, okay, somebody needs to start training at a very high level, not just trickle down, you know, special operations to combat arms, combat arms to law enforcement, law enforcement to um, EMS, EMS to civilians. No. How about we just dump all of that? We take what we know to be the good TTPs and and put into POIs, take those points of instruction, and then train civilians about how to protect their churches, their schools, their homes. And that was the beginning. So you have described sheepdog is it's not self-defense training that it's fangs out dynamic shift that can determine who lives and who dies what's in your mind the training the difference between self-defense training and the type of training that you guys do how would you describe that difference yeah Uh, so self-defense is is very reactive um where 
this when we're going to go prepare to hit a target, um, not in the civilian world, in the military world, you know, obviously we've done a ton of training. We've gone to shooting schools where we've gone to CQB school. We've gone, we've been doing sustainment and combatives. We've been, um, you know, like our pre-mission train up, uh, culminates with this huge culminating exercise that looks very similar to what we could be doing when we go overseas and then we get an exact target that, and then we're going to start doing rehearsals over and over and over and over again. Um, that is very targeted at being able to execute our job, our metal core metal tasks on target. Um, so what we do at Chief Dog Response, we train all of these individual uh, skill sets from shooting to fighting to situational awareness to tactical trauma. Uh, then we kind of flip the script and from an infantry perspective if i start digging a foxhole i'm always improving my foxhole to make it a better fighting position and we do that for the individual so then instead of like oh no something bad's happening they're always up and out looking for uh what could be happening and trying to prevent it before it does so it's a much more holistic approach yeah yeah the total yeah. I love gunfighting. It's super. It's super cool to get out on the range and like run around and sweat and take some, you know, some selfies and some photos. But you know, truth be told, you yes, you absolutely have to be a good shooter. But when you look at high-level units, they can of course do that, but but they're really good at planning. Um, they're really good at rehearsals. They're really good at briefing and communicating up, down, and out. They're really good at comms. They're really good at medical. They're really like the the list goes on of all of the core tasks that they can do. Um, those aren't the sexy ones that everybody wants to post on Instagram. And uh, we, we continually fight this fight of trying to force feed people that this is really what they need. In addition to this cool other sexy stuff, you also need to know how to put on a tourniquet. You also need to know how to pack a wound. You also need to know to understand bumps in the pattern, as Mike Glover would say, or, or on the extreme end, things that are outside outliers of a bell curve of what should be occurring in any given area. I think what's left out of the conversation a lot too, and I, of like these sexy SMU units, right? The JSOC guys, the amount of time we spend assessing risk and then mitigating risk is lost in that conversation too. Like all of those skills, like you, it's if you show up there, the understanding is you're capable in all those things that you just mentioned. That's right. But, but we also, really try to pick and choose the time that we use any of those. Like we avoid violence at all costs until it's in our favor. And then if it gets to the point where violence is going to happen, you better watch the fuck out. Yeah. But up until then, you're looking for every reason not to do that. And it's, you know, the situational awareness piece, Mike, uh, I've done a, a couple courses with him where he lays out a verbal scenario for people. And one of them is that you're in a gas station at 2 a.m. in the morning and you're by yourself and you're filling up your vehicle and somebody starts approaching you and he'll go around the room and it's he's basically walking people towards like a shoot no shoot scenario and he asked it to me the first time and my response was what the fuck am i doing at a gas station by myself at two o'clock in the morning yeah you know like <laughs> hey, wait, wait, why, why haven't i got my car and left yet you know like why yeah why didn't i just go get gas the following morning when the sun is up in the middle of the day like how about we avoid at all costs because i actually right. don't want to be driven down to that place where violence is actually on the table. I want to avoid it. It's actually my 
my criticism, and there's no one size fits all tool. It's my criticism of people who think that jujitsu is the solution to everything. And between you and I, obviously, my toes are dipped in the pool and you did a cannonball into the pool years ago. You're steeped in this world. But I'm shocked at the number of people who think because they get onto a mat and slap and bump with a friend inside of a rule set on a mat in a weird uniform or a even weirder rash guard matching top and bottom that they're prepared for any violent situation. It's like, well, where's your striking? Where's your stand up? Where's your takedown? Have you practiced running away? Because that actually might be a better option. You know, yeah. it's the, it's a much more holistic approach than a one size fits all. So I like the fact that you guys offer the more of a buffet platter of things that could happen versus saying, hey, this is the way and the only way. Because we used to have those people. You mentioned the SEALs paying a lot of money to come in and teach combatives. I will, in the interest of not being sued into oblivion, speak broadly, but <laughs> we would have people who were so dogmatic and it was like, it's either this way and no other way is good and it has to be this way and don't you dare think about anything else. And it was dog shit yeah. what they were what I mean, they were putting out. Any Anytime uh, that I think anybody's like, I, I know how this is and this is the only way to do it, uh, I, like our POI we have, well, I'm so blessed to, uh, to still be in the military. And I have this revolving door of fresh contractors that come in, um, whether they're coming immediately from the schoolhouse or they're coming from a, a contracting trip overseas, or they're coming from a deployment. And every single quarter, literally every quarter, we sit down and we go through our POI with our freshest, most recent, um, our, our, our newest teammates and go through everything. It was like, Hey, is this current? Is this new? Is this the right way? Is yeah. this, and the, the, it's always adapting, it's always changing. Man, in in the 19 years, I remember like points of domination. I remember strong walling. I went, remember free flowing. I remember uh, then uh, breaking down to, you know, in a kill capture mission, deciding on a COA, whether it's gonna be a call, off, call out or if it's gonna be a multi-breach point hit. Like all of this, those are dynamically crazy on the spectrum of how to do killing opposite ends of what you should be doing. And all of that happened in one lifetime, in one generation, in one war, you know, but, but yeah. hold on, Andy, I know the best way, by the way. Um, and I'm the only yeah. one that knows it. And this is the only way that you can do it. And we're going to do this forever. You know, that that's anytime that comes out of anybody's mouth, you just like, get out of here, bro. Like, yeah, the red, it's a Macy's day, Macy's day parade of red flags. What, how do you deal with, I've seen this online. I've never actually had somebody, push back on me with this one in person, but people who say, well, you shouldn't be teaching these things to civilians. I think civilians should be able to own an M1 Abrams tank and um, like a minigun. I, uh... All right. I mean, we've, are, we, we don't, you know, I've known each other for years, so it's clear that you're crazy. I mean, that might be a little bit too far. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, the, there are things that I don't know or think are, best for civilians to know because it's cool for them to know like team CQB. Yep. We don't teach team CQB to non-military law enforcement and I actually get crapped on by some, you know, far right people like, oh, what, what, why, why wouldn't you teach that? Um, I, I can't, the amount of time, the limited, the finite time that we have as a resource to learn the things that we need to know to be good at protecting ourselves and our families and our businesses and our churches and our schools and our communities, I would, I don't want you to learn how to do that. I would rather you learn, here's a, another buffet of skills that you do need to know, and you're not good at any of those things. So why do you need to go be good at this other thing 
when the thing that you do need to know you're being complacent in. So uh, it's, it's more about an allocation of resources and time in that finite thing of time to make sure that the civilians are training on the things that they need to know. Um, you know, the, the difference between a precision rifle, a so we teach a precision course called precision rifle and a provider course, like learn how to hunt. You know, they're, they're long courses, two and a half, three days. And um, the same question of like, well, why aren't you teaching a casualty producing school like sniper school? Those are great skills, um, and mm -hmm. if you can shoot precision rifle, you can also do this other thing of sniping. They're very similar skills, but you, first of all, don't even know how to shoot a rifle well. And um, the, the, the more likely ways that you need to use a rifle, you don't know how to do, so let's take our, the time to do these other things instead. Anybody that says that civilians shouldn't know these things, uh, I don't know, they're supportive of a tyrannical government and can suck a dick. I think they're worried that you would be teaching people sensitive TTPs, you know, tactics, techniques, and procedures. And I, I would agree. I mean, if your job is to find, fix, and finish people on target, you should be an expert in those things. But if your job isn't to do those things, I fall in line with, like, protecting those sensitive particular – like, compartmentalize that for those that actually do that. But if you look at a home defense situation, an, an average one, whatever that would be, yeah, it's not, it's not your CQB skill that's probably going to – you know, that help you in that situation. It's like, maybe I need to get to a, the top of the stairs and barricade myself while calling 911. You know what I mean? There's a huge gap yeah. between those things and maybe focus on the ones that it's actually your job, which would be to protect yeah. those that you love and care about. We, we also, uh, before we turn something into a POI for a course, um, it goes through an official review to make sure I'm not putting anything sensitive in there. Um, yeah. and, you know, and sometimes a thing by itself isn't sensitive, but you put that thing with another thing and those two things in conjunction are sensitive. So when, yeah. we're, when we're pulling from lots of different resources and then compiling it into, you know, a three day course, what was not sensitive is now sensitive. Um, you know, from situational awareness, you know, it, putting those together is, is can, can be, uh, dangerous and we're very cautious in ensuring, you know, if you walk down our murder row, row those first 10 offices, all those guys are 20 year special operations guys. And uh, we go through making sure, and then we have an outside look. Somebody comes in, takes a peek. Yep, this looks good. There's there's nothing in here that would be in violation. We're, all this is public, Googleable, and uh, enjoy making better Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, I could not be more fired up to introduce the presenting sponsor, for season two of Change Agents, Montana Knife Company, founded by somebody that I feel very fortunate to call a personal friend, Master Bladesmith, Josh Smith. Not only a Master Bladesmith, but the youngest Master Bladesmith and one of the most experienced in the world. Montana Knife Company blades are some of the finest that I've ever been able to get my hands on. They are the sharpest knife out of the box and they're some of the easiest to resharpen when you dull the blade. I take them everywhere that I go. I have them in every vehicle that I own and every backpack that I ever take into the backcountry. Specifically, my favorite blade of theirs is the Speedgoat. It's lightweight, but so incredibly capable. I never leave home without it. If you're familiar with Montana Knife Company, you know it is often very difficult to get one of their blades because they sell out within minutes of being released. What you should be able to find in stock are the Blackfoot 2.0, Speedgoat, or a Stonewall Skinner. 
And if you use the code CHANGEAGENTS10, that's going to net you 10% off of your first order. Again, my personal favorite blade is the Speed Goat. If they have them in stock right now, don't mess around. Put it in your cart and complete the checkout. Montana Knife Company, they build working knives for working people. And like I said at the beginning, I could not be more proud to collaborate with them on Change Agents Season 2. There's a lot of things I like about the Mountain Tough program, but I think primarily what I enjoy is they focus on mental toughness in addition to just the physical toughness. Everything they do is grounded in one purpose, life transformations and being strong between the years in the mind. And there's also a community of 15,000 plus Mountain Tough athletes. So the community is strong, they're supportive, and they're gonna help keep you accountable. So you can train anywhere, you can stream anywhere, you can access guided training and on-demand workouts right from your phone, your tablet, or TV or computer, whatever you're into. And everything you need is in one spot. The Mountain Tough subscription gets you access to all the Mountain Tough programs new programs, and bonus content. And they have programs for everyone. Those who hit the gym and heavy weights, those who like to work out at home with no gear or minimal gear, and everything in between. Mountain Tough has been the trusted training by the dedicated for years now, including US military special forces and dedicated backcountry hunters. There is no excuse for you to not start today. With Mountain Tough, you can conquer your goals with the ideal program for your lifestyle and schedule. Train with equipment or just your body weight on your phone, tablet, TV, or web browser. Most importantly, they will help you train your mindset so you are always ready for anything that life throws away. Mountain Tough subscribers get full access to world-class home and gym programs, groundbreaking mental toughness training, self-improvement, prehab and rehab, biomechanical form coaching, stretching and mobility flows, nutrition guidance, challenge workouts, and the global Mountain Tough Community. Mountain Tough is offering Change Agents listeners an incredible offer. You're going to get 40% off on the all-new Mountain Tough Plus annual subscription with the code CHANGEAGENTS. Go to mtntough.com and enter the code CHANGEAGENTS to receive 40% off, a savings of about $100 on your Mountain Tough Plus annual subscription. That is MTN, Mike Tango November Tough.com and enter the code CHANGEAGENTS to save 40%. That is less than 50 cents per day for the best in-class physical and mental training. Do you find that a percentage of people that are coming to find your training are doing so after they were on the receiving end of a violent event? Yeah. Um, on, on the sucks side? Because, well, that sucks because it means they're taking a reactive approach instead of a proactive approach. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen again. They have to change something. Yeah, and to your point, they're at the gas station at two o'clock in the morning. They decide to go to Walmart, you know, because it's open twenty-four hours, and park in the dark, in the dark side of the parking lot, and then in their nice car, um, they wanted to go to that fancy restaurant, wear a nice watch, um, have too many drinks, and then try to walk to their car, but they didn't want to pay for the valet. Now their car's on the street, and they they have four blocks where they they're just standing there looking like a victim. Um, so not only do we have to change their pattern of life, but then we have to give them skills to prevent it from happening again uh, in that preventative mindset and approach. 
That's an interesting data pool, though, if about half of your people are coming there because something has happened. And I'm assuming you guys talk to them and probably collect a good amount of data, whether it's anecdotally or you know digitally or on paper. Are there any common errors that are themes that you have heard repeated over time that you could caution people just against? Yeah, I, I think the ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That is, uh, I haven't been in a fight outside of being paid to be in a fight in my entire adult life. Um, and that is because I don't want to be in a fight. I, I would rather avoid it at all costs. So are you going to find me on 6th Street in Austin, you know, putting back, back a couple of drinks and, um, you know, talking to a girl that I don't know? No, like that's a recipe for a fight. Um, similarly, you're not going to find like, occupationally I'm required to go to places to do things and I have to use skills to not get into fights, but in just like my re regular day, everyday pattern of life, you're not going to find naturally occurring intersections where violence would be occurring because I've mitigated all of those out of my life. You know, my, my home is not accessible in any way, shape or form. My family is safe. It's not one that somebody's driving down the road, profiling, looking to case the home. They look at my home and they're like, yeah, that looks like a good house. I want to go and try and rob. Um, they don't know why there's not things out there. They're like, we'll kill you if you get here. But as they keep driving down that road, they just go to my neighbor's house. Well, not my neighbor's house because I've like fixed my whole entire community where the whole entire community looks like to go somewhere else. Um, that ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure approach. I think is the thing. If I were to give somebody something, it is first situational awareness. And second is adjusting your life to stay out of these high risk areas, um, not just areas in, as in locations, but areas as times of the day, high risk locations, um, you know, like during high threat holidays, my family and I are not doing touristy things. Um, I don't, I don't want a radical to come and do a thing on either end of the spectrum, right? Like I, 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 I'm, I consider myself a really good American. You're not going to find me at a protest or a rally. Um, even though I love the First Amendment, it's because it's a place where bad things happen. And I'll find a better way to have my voice heard without the chance of, you know, getting chased by the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security for the rest of my life just because um, I went to inauguration. It's interesting you brought up uh, rallies. I have a couple stats here that actually ties back into the mass shooting uh, comment you made too. So the rates of civil unrest have been increasing from 2011 to 2020 alone. The number of riots around the world has increased 282%. So that speaks to finding, you know, putting yourself in those places where that can actually happen. But the mass shooting one is interesting. And it's like we could have a multi-hour conversation on what is defined as a mass shooting and the differences between them. I think the FBI sits it as between three or four people currently. Um, I don't necessarily even think it's killed, but it's injured as well. But there were more than 500 um, in 2023 in the U.S. And I know that this is on people's minds. So I'm curious your thoughts on this. So should somebody find themselves in that situation? You are you're paying attention, whatever. You're just at a mall or whatever it may be. You are situationally aware, but maybe it's happening down the block or whatever, whatever. But you find yourself involved in it. What would you what would you advocate for people? either to do or not to do? What are some mistakes that they could avoid that would increase their chance of survival? And yeah, there's not enough data there. Are they there with their family? 
um, what equipment do they have with them? Where's their car parked? Um, you know, like my, my response, if I have my four-year-old, my eight-year-old and my teenage daughters with me and my beautiful wife, like we are immediately seeking cover and we are skirting out of there. Like Tim Kennedy, who I I'll, would, would love to go and save the day, um, I am going to be running as fast as I can to get out and away to get my family out, um, hopping in the car and driving. So pull your family out of that situation and it's you're by yourself. What would the difference in your actions be? Yeah, I just got lectured by my by my wife about this um, last night. <laughs> last night, she's like, okay, so let me get this right. You're going to starve yourself for three and a half days uh, with water only. So you have a long life where you're going to, you know, die an old man, but still young. Um, but yes. you're going to hop on the first plane to Israel or to Sudan or to Ukraine or to. And, uh, and I'm like, first of all, you knew what you signed up with when you married me. You know, I was literally packing my bags to go to Iraq when like we went on our first date. So, you know, pump the brakes as you're throwing your stones from your glass house there, girl. Um, but the, uh, I, I don't have, I am a father, you know, I'm an employer. I have responsibilities. I, I know that I want to live to be an old man. I also can't allow evil to happen when I have a way to, to stop it. Um, so I, I'm running, you know, it's if you, towards if you went, the sound of the guns. That's right. If you, you open my truck right now, you know, you'll, you'll find a, a little mini collapsible rifle with a three power optic on it with, you know, gonna, gonna mess up your day ammunition. Um, you know, with my, as I'm sitting here talking to you with my gun sitting in front of me, um, I'm not, I'm not going to spouse and preach all of these things and then be the, the, the guy that's not going to do anything about it. I mean, our experiences are even our desires occupationally are, are different than the vast majority of most people. And I think that's totally fine. Everybody's different, but the selection courses that we went through, the crucibles that we went through, the training, the employment overseas, we're like a far edge case when it comes to these things. So let's go, let's try to land somewhere in the middle because you posted a, a recently a video of a shootout in Houston where citizens came to the, the aid of an injured officer. And you said embracing the concept that no help is coming is not about fostering fear, but acknowledging the responsibility each citizen has to contribute to community resilience. But so how can an average person navigate the line between relying on trained professionals and knowing when to get involved and be of assistance? Because there are examples of armed citizens being shot by law enforcement in their attempt to help individuals. And of course, there was no intent from the law enforcement to do that. They were reacting to an active shooting situation. So there is this line of what should I do and when? And so we'll put you and I on the edge case. Let's talk about somebody maybe more. I, I, I've never heard people described as gelatinous. However, I might start using that word a lot starting right this second. So we have edge case and gelatinous on equal sides of the edge. Let's talk about people in the middle. How do they balance the reliance upon 911 and then getting involved themselves? Uh, in the first block of instruction at our Protector One course, we talk about asset and liability. And um, whether you're going to be an asset or a liability is kind of MET-TC dependent. Depends on your mission, the mission of uh, what's happening around you, the enemy, uh, the, the time, the train, the civilian threat, like it, it goes on and on about all these different things about where you're going to, like, I don't think it's a black and white line 
that you're going to be on this side or that side of it. Depending on the situation, you might be an asset. You might be the only one that that's there to help. Like anybody with the tourniquet in Las Vegas during that shooting would have been a massive asset. Like I, I think yeah. I read a third to half of the victims that bled out would have been saved because they're external wounds that they just went into shock and they died as they bled out on the side. A tourniquet would have saved them. So anyone with a tourniquet would have been a massive asset. Like anybody with a gun, no help. You're no help there as you're trying to shoot up, you know, 14 floors to a guy that has an elevated position um, and uh, and 240 machine guns, not a bump stock, shooting down onto people. Um, and that changes everywhere. And a guy appendix carrying in a grocery store when a disgruntled former employee comes in could be a huge asset. 30 seconds later, when that employee starts shooting people and the police respond, and that guy runs up to try and intervene, but law enforcement is coming through the front door. Now he's falling into the liability category. And that just was yeah. 30 seconds apart. Um, and this is why it's so important for people to be trained in so many different ways so their brain is working. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're well-fed, they've exercised, they're slept, sleeping. So like this, the most important tool in their body, their brain is functioning at a high enough level to realize that like, nope. I'm skirting out the back door. That's where I got to go right now because I'm going to die in the other way. But when I say no help is coming, I, I've personally experienced being on the phone with 911 as a guy's trying to break into my old house when I lived in North Austin and them being like, hey, we don't have anybody to send your way. Um, we, you and me, have personally in the middle of the night as one of a car goes down in an overland situation been like, man, you know, as, as Mike's driving like a madman, you know, we're we're one bad rock away from having to walk out a couple of miles in cold weather, not enough water and not enough food, and with no cell service, with no help to. So, I know we're extreme examples, but even in in like a civilian way, I have personally experienced and I have seen in countless instances times where nobody's coming to help you. You either know how to protect yourself and you know how to protect your family, or you don't. Or you do, but that line of asset and liability is never stationary. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a brief pause from the interview so I can tell you a little bit about Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, there's nothing that keeps me up at night more or scares me more than something happening to my children. And a lot of people think when it comes to insurance that you're trying to insure yourself for yourself. And that's the exact opposite of the way I view it when it comes to life insurance. I think of insuring myself to make sure that if something were to happen with me, it's actually my children and loved ones left behind that are taken care of. That's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. It was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. They have more than just life insurance. You can manage everything from wills, college savings funds, and your family's finances right from your phone. They have over 1,700 five-star reviews, and they're rated as excellent in Trustpilot. I urge you to join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes. That's meetfabric.com slash change agents. M-E-E-T, Mike Echo Echo Tango, fabric.com slash change agents. Policies are issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, and they're not available in certain states. Prices are subject to underwriting and health questions. Good morning, everybody. As you know, 
Change Agents is an Ironclad original, but what you may not know is that for over a decade, Ironclad has worked with brands and individuals to create world-class films, series, podcasts, and ad campaigns. In fact, I've been working with Ironclad for the past few years. I was introduced to them on a project through the Navy SEAL Foundation. I've worked with them uh, on a variety of projects, even up here in Montana, long before they proposed the idea of change agents to me. They're the best in their field. And I say that because there are plenty of people out there looking for the best, looking for the cream of the crop, looking for the top of the triangle. And if you're looking for that, you need to look no further than Ironclad. If you ever need media by way of film, a series, podcasts, or ad campaigns, they have you covered. You can reach out today and follow them anywhere at This Is Ironclad, the ampersand, and then This Is Ironclad, or visit them online, thisisironclad.com. Again, www.thisisironclad.com. Shifting gears. Tell me about Save Our Allies. Um, August 2021. Uh, everybody saw the news of people hanging on to landing gears of aircraft taking off from Hkaya in Kabul. People trying to evacuate and escape the Taliban as we were giving up strategic military bases throughout Afghanistan that the Taliban would immediately take. So as fast as American military forces were retreating was as fast as the Taliban was taking ground and taking those strategic positions, ultimately leading to a single base, air base left, which was the uh, Hamid Karzai airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. And in that were, were thousands of Americans tens of thousands of our allies, our NATO allies, and and, and special operation guys from um, the Afghan military, translators, pilots, all of which were going to be tortured and killed by the Taliban. Um, I was in the middle of writing my book. Next to me was Nick, my best friend, who was um, my litmus test in truth and objectivity in, into that book. And both of our phones ring at the same time, two different people asking to go get their translators out of Afghanistan. And one of them had the political connections to get us into that country. And the other one had the contracting logistics connections to physically get us into that country. And those two things literally happened at the same time. We looked at each other and we booked a flight a few minutes later into Afghanistan. Um, I had had about 20 different contracting calls to go and rescue somebody for money. And that was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have, you know, purpose, direction, and the right motivation. That was the beginning of Save Our Allies, was literally the four people on the phone at that moment, Sarah Barardo, Chad Rob Robichaud, Nick Palmisciano, and myself, all of us from four different organizations that were like, we can go and do this. Um, we flew in the very next day, and that was the beginning of us evacuating our allies out of Afghanistan. Um, and since then, since 2021, so in the past two years, we have had conflict after conflict that, you know, it's <laughs> however you voted, please don't give us another four years of this. Um, I've never, from the Mexican border, I was deployed there for six months to Afghanistan, to Sudan, to Ukraine, to Israel, um, 
you know, like five gigantic, epic generational problems that have all happened in a matter of three years. Uh, and then Save Our Allies have been part of all of those. Yeah, that's a gross, I don't know. That's the wave tops. And then let's not leave out um, your guys' efforts over in Israel as well. Kind of the same thing, trying to extricate or extract people that uh, would be considered allies. Yeah, you know, in, in that, you know, we have 30 to 50,000 Americans that are traveling to Israel every single day to walk where Jesus walked, to take a, a bath where he was baptized. And um, I thought that that conflict was going to escalate way faster than it did. I thought it was going to go high and left uh, kinetically pretty, pretty fast. Um, so what I wanted to do was get the civilians, specifically the American civilians, off the battlefield so it's like Hezbollah and Hamas and Al Qaeda and Taliban all start like doing this thing together, uh, and then state actors start throwing in here, and as Iran starts, that's what I thought was going to happen. So we were very quickly, immediately after October seventh, trying to get people out. Uh, we spun up on October seventh. We got people on the ground quickly, and um, you know we're flying out Christian pastors that were stuck. We're flying out um, you know missionaries that that were there on on their. Um, sabbaticals and in some instances missions and um and then we're also you know we we believe Sarah's motto is be the somebody kind of what we're talking about full circle you know, like if we hear gunfire am i going to go and help like yeah i'm going to i have to be that somebody you know our our first isaiah 6 8 was when you heard the voice of the lord say who who shall i send and we say here i am send me um, that send me part is is our motto of when these bad things happen. As great as our government and our military is, uh, especially when you get to the Department of State and Department of Defense uh, working together uh, collaboratively, you find these big gaps. And these gaps are where people ultimately get trapped. And we have to get those people out that are stuck in these gaps. In Afghanistan, the military wasn't allowed to go outside the wire to get people. Um, those people had to make it past the Taliban and get to the gate and be able to get somebody's attention to be led onto the base. That doesn't work when you're a commando SF that they have a picture of your face and your wife yeah. was a translator. Like the dude, the moment that guy gets near a Taliban checkpoint, he's going to be burnt alive. It's like somebody has to go and link up and bring them on. Uh, you know, in Israel, there, w there weren't Nobody knew what was going to happen, uh, you know, from the October 7th to October 9th, 9th, there was still fighting happening. You know, it took a day, a day and a half for the Israeli military and police to push the terrorists back into Gaza. And as they went back to Gaza, they're being celebrated as heroes in Gaza. And the, the, the chaos, the canceled flights, you know, there, there were people that were booking nonstop flights, uh, trying to... Like they book five, six flights, their credit card now, and as that can that flight is canceled, now their credit card is maxed out. They can't book another flight. They legitimately have no way to leave the country. Department of State hadn't started doing the humanitarian flights out yet. So, you know, we're going in, we're linking up with them. We're flying them from Haifa in a private plane into Cyprus and then from Cyprus into Athens, and then they can get out, you know, but uh, getting them off the battlefield immediately uh, was was pretty paramount. Are you guys still getting requests from people in Afghanistan? I mean, I know it's been a couple of years. I'm curious oh, yeah. what the situation is. Yeah, right I, now. I got a bat, a sad one today, but yeah, absolutely. 
What do you mean you got a sad one? Give me the wave tops. Uh, hey, I've been on the run for two years. I immediately I requested a evacuation. You guys tried to work me. Um, I was unable to make it to Hikaya. Um, I've been in the safe house for the past uh, two years. We just got kicked out. They found my brother. They tortured and killed him. Uh, and I know that they found out that I was still alive. They're now searching for me. If they find me, they're going to kill my family and kill me. Please come and get me. God, that's rough. Yeah. Um, you know, being on the receiving end of that and working in a world where you're half your students are have been the victim of I'll call it violent crime or just violence and still being in the military I think it's uh and so I mean that's your lens for the lens of somebody who interfaces with the world largely through their phone or a television I think it's uh pretty easy to get discouraged day in day out you hear about stuff like this are you hopeful or concerned about our future I'm both I'm very 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 concerned um which oh, one are you more? Give, uh, give me a ratio. And don't you say 50-50, you son of a bitch. Man, I, was, I, <laughs> I went, um, you know, I'm about to step out onto the mats and do a hero's jiu-jitsu class. And you know, I will be, my reservoir of hope will be filled. Um, two nights ago, I went to the crossover to the, the highest age group of kids that are not professional playing hockey. So my son's like one of the youngest, right? But then they have these seniors in high school that are getting their letters as to what university they're going to go and play for or which ones are going to go straight into semi-pros. And I went and, um, you know, did a workout with these young men and, uh, you know, smoked the living dog shit out of them. And they have the biggest smiles on their face and their permed hair is bouncing as we're doing, doing burpees, you know, they're, they're wearing hats and they got this long hair coming out the side, but they were savage <laughs> young men, you know, they were like, they were there for it, smiling and joking and, and fart, farting and poking fun at each other, just like you would want as a, out of a young soldier. And again, I like that reservoir of, of, of hope uh, inspiring me about this next generation is filled. But then I take that lens and I just turn it <laughs> one degree off of this group of outliers and the vast majority are broken mentally and physically. Uh, so I'm way more concerned that I am hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could mass produce those people that you're talking about who are just there for it. I don't care what you, I know when you said the hat with the hair come underneath, just laughing my ass off. Cause we have those people working for us in our coffee shop or just coming in there. But I get, you know, two high school age, a son and a daughter. I'm like, <laughs> you're painting an accurate picture of where I live as well. Yeah. Yeah. But you went, <laughs> those dudes, those young men, um, I mean, I, I put it on them and they were smiling the whole entire time. I could throw them in a foxhole and they would run into the sun. Like they would run into hell with me. Um, Cause that's who they are. They, they play their hearts out on the ice. They train 10 times a week. They're straight A students. You know, they're not drinking. And I know yeah. that's this small, not average group. Uh, when I look at my teenage or my, my, I have two daughters that are college age right now. And I look at all of their peers that are effectively useless. Like I have no idea what they're going to do with their lives, but currently they're doing. And, uh, and I'm really concerned. And then obviously what has happened over the course of the past three years from like a geopolitical position, I'm super concerned from a military, you know, we were, 40,000 short for a recruiting number. Um, and the ones that we got 
are dumber and weaker than they've ever been. So I'm super concerned. You know, that like I could go super concerned over and over and over again as we go down the list, but yeah. like not 50-50, like 90-10. The cool thing is that small group of people that are there for it, that will work and sweat and bleed and die for it, it's such a powerful group that you can like leverage their ability to an exponential degree. Like it, we don't need everybody to be like that. We just need to make sure that that pool of people still exists. Yeah. If you went and said, Hey, I tried to do this workout with these people and nobody was there for it. And then I'd be like, Oh, okay. Maybe Canada is a good place to go live. Well, I find a foxhole to live in for the rest of my life or bury a school bus underground. But as long as we have that group, I think we're going to be okay because that power of leveraging that group and what they can do, I think will make a difference. Yeah. And I know you got to go, uh, smash people, you know, people are like, you know, it's funny. People ask me about rolling with you more than anything. Um, and you know, I trained one time years ago. I'm just like, yeah, it was like rolling with a ruler. It's all hard edges and it feels like there's a, a boulder on top of it, which I think is fair. Um, but I do want you to go out there and train. So to kind of put a bow on it for people who want to learn more about sheepdog or save our allies, where can they go and how can they get involved? All right. First, I'll just ask that you get healthy, um, start eating clean, start exercising, and start finding ways to serve your community, whether that's church or your school, um, volunteering, like be become an asset in those categories. It also injects you into worlds and areas to give you more information, to give you more data about where you could be better used. Um, on the training side, there are a ton of incredible organizations that train at the highest level. Um, and you know, and you're, you're friends with most of them. We're not the only outfit that does it. And you, you could almost compare the, the POI between some of the larger ones. You'd be like, yeah, they're teaching literally the exact same stuff. Um, different flares and different spices and yeah. different words. Best practices rise to the top, man. Yep. And, uh, and then go and train, you know, go and preventative, be prepared. Like if you're going to look for a gift to give for Christmas, find ways to give the gift of preparedness and get people into the gym, get people into jujitsu, get people into shooting, get people into medical courses, get people to um, don't be that liability person where it's like, I have nothing to add to this problem uh, besides myself, which is another problem in some way, shape or form, become an asset. You can go to sheepdogresponse.com any of the social medias, save our allies. Frankly, you know, we, we get hundreds of people trying to volunteer a month. If you're not coming from a background like Andy's, um, we don't need you. We, we have to have kind of the singleton AFO experienced yeah. person. So, uh, um, best way you, 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 you can help is spread the word and donate outside of that. Unless you're coming from the special, special operations, singleton expeditionary background. Um, so find other ways to support. Everyone, thanks again for watching Change Agents, an Ironclad original presented by Montana Knife Company. Hey, listen, if you want to learn more about Tim's work and even get involved, you can check out SaveOurAllies.org and you can see more at SheepdogResponse.com. All right, everyone, we'll see you next week.